You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech fan number 85, I am Tim Robertson. Is it 85? It is 85. Are you sure about it being 85? Well, since last one was 84, I'm going to assume this one would be 85. The question is, does it matter if it's 85? Not really. <laughs> Especially if you listen so, to them as they come out on a weekly basis. It's just the new one. The new one, This yeah. will be the old one the next time someone listens to it that we've already recorded a new show. Have you ever done that thing where you listen to a show and you're about 40 minutes in and then you realize you've heard the whole thing before? No, it doesn't usually take me 40 minutes. But <laughs> it does does me. <laughs> I know what this guy's going to say. I'm a genius. And then, but then you start thinking, well, maybe I'll listen to half of it. So maybe I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll hear something new. Then you get to the end and realize you'd heard the whole thing before. Yeah. Nope, never done that. <laughs> I, I, I occasionally I'll be a little nostalgic and I'll I'll go back and listen to like an old MyMac podcast that we did way back in the day. Yeah. That's kind of entertaining. That's kind of fun. Oh, that's but good I try. don't think I could be wrong, I don't think the iTunes directory listing goes back more than two hundred and ninety nine episodes. Right. So you can't get through iTunes the really old ones. You basically have to do a search on the MyMac website maybe, maybe we should sell a dvd yeah i'm sure it'll fly off the shelves <laughs> i keep thinking maybe i'll just create a, a standalone my mac podcast website with all the links yeah. to every episode going back to like the second one yeah but kind of in a short form style rather than a blog style so that yeah it'll just be a same, as a, same as a list yeah yeah because yeah. um, it's up to 411 right now so I mean they've been that that show's been going for a very long time, pretty much since the dawn of podcasting. Uh, I can't. I don't have the the very first episode though. Um, I don't have it in any of my libraries. I couldn't find it backed up anywhere. I don't know what happened to them. Well, I might have it on an old DVD R because I was backing up the shows to that a long time ago. But I threw a lot of those away. <laughs> So I might have it somewhere, and if I find it, I'll re-upload it to the site and link to it. But, and it's a bad episode. I mean, it's 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 not good. <laughs> well, maybe if you do find it, maybe what you should do is listen to it, transcribe it, and then do it again, but you know, better. You know, time really starts flying when you get older, David. It I does. thought I thought well, you know it might be kind of cool. Uh, go back to July, twenty eleven, just one year ago. And yeah. what we were talking about on this show, um, July 8th, 2011, so almost exactly a year ago, not quite, but mm-hmm. close, it was called Scruffy Florida. <laughs> so that was when I was in Botswana. Yeah. And then on uh, episode 38, which came out on July 15th, was now in 3D. And then I also reviewed that... Uh, that I main go X little speaker system, which is actually still yeah. sitting on my desk in almost the same spot. <laughs> Songify, Rob, Robot Loves Kitty, Stitcher. It's uh, Netflix, Google Plus, 3D movies. That could have been last week. But well, yeah, but on um, but by the same token, I can remember doing those shows, and it seems like ages ago. Does it? I mean, it, it, in, terms it seems... of, in terms of not not in terms of what we were talking about, but in terms of. You know, kind of what what I've done since then. It just seems like a long time. This, I, and yet I still think of this as the new show. Yes, even though it's eighty five episodes. So I know. It's like over a year. This is still yeah. the new show to me as well. Yeah. 
And it, it doesn't seem like we've been doing this longer than, say, Pocket Size Podcast, but we have been. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like it. But for me, see, you took a little bit of time off. You took about, what, almost a year off from yeah. podcasting. But I went from the MyMac show to OWC Radio to TechFan. So there was, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I didn't even go a week between, any, well, no, I take that back. There was about uh, six, seven weeks between the end of MyMac and the beginning of OWC Radio. Yeah, it's kind of like you've been on a podcast chain gang and that seven weeks you were in the cooler. Well, let's be honest. I, I've done the same show. Going way back to the beginning of my Mac, it's it's basically the same show. Well, I, I mean, the thing is, is yeah, what we do here is we just talk about stuff. We're not we're not like working into a script, and we you know we might have a few topics in mind, but we're not. It's not like we're working to a show plan or to a schedule or you know uh, anything like that. Whereas a lot of people who do it are doing it on a kind of a radio production basis, which is much more formalized you know I, I take it back there wasn't uh any gap between my podcasting because between my mac and tech and uh owc radio so it was almost two months between the time i stopped my mac and then started that i was still doing geekiest show ever oh there you go yeah see see how i did that there mm. geekiest show ever the the show that refuses to die <laughs> despite, despite many changes of host uh, I got an email from a listener saying that while he likes the new Geekiest Show ever, Mark Greentree and, and company do that. Although he didn't do the last one because he's got, um, he's been ill. He couldn't even talk. So yeah. he, he's going to the doctor. So good. Um, good on you there, Mark. <laughs> do what the doctor says. Yeah. Do us all a favor and stop talking. <laughs> God's trying to tell you something, Mark. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, of course. Um, He's telling him he's working too hard. That's the thing. This feedback said, uh, you know, I like the new Geekiest show ever. It feels like a totally different show, which I agree. And I would hope it would. I mean, it really is a a whole new different show. Um, And he likes the topics, but he would really like, he really liked it when we did the show because we would basically pick a topic and just dig for, you know, a hundred feet underground with that one topic. Remember, remember, we did the uh, George Williams. We all picked our. You were on that episode, I believe. Yeah, where well, we all picked our um, our five favorite. Picked, yeah, five favorite themes. And I, you, I had you guys email me your five picks, and then I mixed them for That's each person. Right, that was a fun episode. I liked that. I, you know, I do miss doing that show. Um, I, I, I really wish we could figure out the scheduling so we could, you know, do that or do something like it or be part of the other show. You know, just for not not on a regular basis, but uh, just on an occasional basis, because it, it was fun doing that. Because remember, the whole reason we started doing that was just to do something that, that wasn't tech. It was something. Well, it wasn't different. just tech. It was that we didn't want to just do Macintosh or Apple related yeah. stuff every week, because that gets tiring. To be honest, after a while. I mean, yeah. I've been podcasting for eight years. After a while, it's like ugh, a new topic, and that's you know why we did Tech yeah. Fan. But, but on the thing is, I mean, this year is is probably the banner year for, um, you know, kind of geek-type movies. You know, there's so many big superhero movies. But out it, that's summer, every year, though, man. Every year. No, no, but this year is, is, is kind of over the top. Well, you only it's Avengers, Spider-Man, and Batman. What else is there? Um, See, it's not even the year with the most superhero movies. That year, the, the Fantastic Four came out. There was what Fantastic Four, Spider Man, Daredevil. There was a Hulk. 
I mean, it was it was all over the place. It's the year. It's the year with the most superheroes because the Avengers had like seven superheroes in it. Yeah, but you, you can count a Batman show I'm, where it I'm had. I'm digging a, here because yes. you could just completely undermine my point. I can't. <laughs> it, it's that's the true. It, it seems every yeah. summer is the year of the superhero movie. That, it, and look, we're geeks. We like superheroes, but I have zero desire to go see Spider Man. I'm like, ugh. I tell you, I went to see it last week, and I was ambivalent. I was pleasantly surprised. I thought it was pretty good. I'm, I, you know, here's the thing. I'm sure it is. Yeah. But I still don't give a crap. I really don't. I'm like, <laughs> uh, I couldn't wait for the Avengers, and I can't yeah. wait for Batman. Batman. I mean, yeah. I, I already watched the first two Batman movies, pretty much back to back, and again in anticipation yeah. of going to see this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. But Spider Man, eh. Well, yeah, it was, you know, not to get too geeky show ever for a minute, but it was, I mean, I, I was ambivalent because it was like, well, it's so recent since they did did it and they're rebooting it again, really. But um, I, I, I actually thought in terms of how it was executed, it wasn't bad. It was pretty good. It here's, was certainly better than, than, say, Green Lantern was last year. Here's the thing, David. When we go on tangents like this, yeah, I keep thinking, you know, we're going to get feedback from people saying... You know, I, I really kind of turn in, tune into Tech Fan because I want to hear you guys talk about, you know, what's going on in the tech world and your opinions on things and, you know, what have you. Yeah. Um, so really, when you guys talk about movies or this, that, or the other, that's not really what I listen to. Here's the funny thing, though, David. I never get that feedback. And I see the numbers. I know how many people are listening. Yeah. I don't think that it's so much what we're talking about, but the fact that we're discussing it in an intelligent manner. And I think that's what yeah. people like. So mm-hmm. while I would like to do a geekiest show ever type of show, here's the thing. We could do every four to six weeks or something a tech fan that's not tech related. Yeah. We could do that. but oh. And here's why. We own this show. <laughs> we can do whatever we want <laughs> we to do. do. What we, want. we could talk okay. about Barbie's Dream House for an entire episode and there's no one to say you can't do that. I think next week we should do a comprehensive review of Fifty Shades of Grey. There you go. <laughs> but maybe not. Maybe that might be a step too. I'd have not. to read it first, and I don't Same have any again. sharp enough razor blades to get through the whole thing. So, no, it's uh, it's been a kind of a somewhat busy week in tech, and, and we'll get into a lot of that, but on a, a personal level, um, almost didn't do the show, as David knows, yeah. uh, a, a very close relative. Uh, Robert Perry, he's my uncle, um, is in the process of passing away, and it's been going on since the weekend, and today's Friday, and they're, I guess you'd say they're pulling the plug today, and he's the uncle, I've I've talked about going over to relatives' house to help them with their max and stuff, he's one of the relatives that I would go over to his house and help him, Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, obviously I'm sad, and I, I don't want to get too much into it here on Tech Fan, but I did want to acknowledge, you know, if I seem a little off today, that's probably why. I was uh, stuck in Chicago Monday through Thursday, so yesterday was the first time I got to go up to the hospital and see him. And, uh, you know, it, it tends to put things in perspective. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's those sort of things, you know... We, we can really get caught up in the minutiae of our day-to-day life. Oh, I've got this to do in my job. I've got this to do with my kids. 
you know, I, I've got to go to the store and do this, I need to do this this weekend, uh, and, and that is life, and, and that's kind of what we're doing all the time, and it's very easy to get um, wrapped up in how hard some of that stuff is, but then, you know, then something major happens, and you realise that a lot of the stuff we worry about really isn't overly important. You know, yeah, it's important to different people on, on a day-by-day basis, but in the grand scheme of life, it's not important. The only reason uh, that I actually did go to work this week um, and I didn't just take the week off to be closer to him was on Thursday I had to uh, let someone go from work and that's never a pleasant thing and I, and I was the person who hired him over a year ago and that's my responsibility and it's not something I can just push off on someone else to do no um and and you know my uncle robert would totally understand that so and it was actually a very busy week at mac specialist i've sent some links out to the staff at mymac.com for those interested i think you saw them i don't know um i was interviewed quite a bit about us opening a new store a mac specialist in oak park illinois and uh, i was interviewed like five or six times from different newspapers including the chicago tribune just because we're opening a Mac specialist. And I think I think that really says something about the brand that Apple has. That that would make the news that many places. And of course the yeah. news was not just Apple products coming to this area that's starving for them. But it's also that uh, locally owned company creating an additional 25 jobs. So, it, you know, it, it was a long week. <laughs> Let me yeah, put it I that way. Imagine. It's weird re- reading an interview where you'll read your quote and then at the end it says Robertson said. <laughs> That's kind of strange, but I don't I don't mind doing it. Although I did push the, a couple of them off on uh, Kevin Shea, who does the Max Specialist podcast, part of the Stoplight Network. Um, I said the next interview you're doing, Kevin, <laughs> and he did. He did a great job too. So, yeah. Um, what's going on with you lately? Since since the last episode, anything? Um, well, my my son is going to summer camp in the states next week, mm-hmm. uh, so we've been spending a lot of time, kind of, you know, it, it's an organised camp, and you know, you, anybody who's ever sent a kid to camp knows what it's like. You have to <laughs> supply the right numbers and types of clothes, and everything has to be labelled, and there's a lot of organisation to do, particularly with him going so far, you know, in terms of visas and medical stuff and who meets uh, him on the on the other side of the airplane no somebody goes with him from here okay uh, and that person will be accompanying the whole trip and staying with him while he's in camp so he has somebody he knows who's with him the whole time because he's he's only nine you know so it's uh it's kind of a big deal oh absolutely Uh, you know and he went last year and he had a fabulous time and um he's really really looking forward to it but it's funny you know he's getting to that age now you know last year he was looking forward to it, and that was the biggest thing that was happening to him, and he didn't care about anything else. This year, he's looking forward to it, but he's also, you know, I, I've noticed this week, he's gone out of his way to spend a bit of extra time with us, and he's become a little bit more tactile and, you know, wanted to spend time sat down with us and talking to us and this sort of thing. So he's obviously kind of, you know, he's not, he's, he's realising that, that while he's going to enjoy himself, he's also going to miss being away from home a little bit. Which is, uh, you know, is interesting to see. It's interesting as you see his emotional development as he grows. You know. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and and you know, we are 
of course, you know, on the tech front, we're trying to make sure that we can keep in contact with him. Um, I, I was kind of annoyed, actually. I bought this, you know, as, as people know, I bought this new TV. One of the things it can do is it can do Skype. So I thought, oh, great, we can sit in the living room and we can Skype with him every day because we video conference every day when he's away. But then I find out, despite the fact that the, the, the TV has standard USB ports on, you can't just use any camera. No, you've got to use the special camera. Uh, I guess how much the special camera is? It's uh, two hundred dollars. Triple, <laughs> triple the price of an ordinary camera. Yes, of course. So, uh, yeah, so I'm I'm still trying to straighten that out before he goes. But uh, but yeah, so that's that's the big thing. And then and then when he's back, he's back for a week, and then uh, we're off on a cruise for a week. So um, that that'll be that, and that'll take us through most of the summer. So. Well, Ka- uh, uh, David, your uh, Skype is breaking up, so we're going to take a first break, let you restart your Skype, and then uh, we'll come back with uh, some tech stuff. Be right back. Hi, everyone. This is Gaz from the MyMac.com podcast, and I'm here with that big yang tank guy. Hey, you nitwit Brit. Did you know the MyMac.com podcast is one of the longest-running Mac podcasts out there? I did know that. Why do you think that is? I think it's because we bring a blend of tech and entertainment that no other show can do. I thought it was because one of us is incredibly handsome. (laughs) Well, thanks, Gaz. I do try to look my best. Yes, Guy. Of course. But how can people find the podcast? Well, they should just go to iTunes and do a podcast search for MyMac.com. So subscribe and get your weekly dose of tech fun. Wait, I I thought I was the handsome one. Yeah, you just keep thinking that and we'll be all right. Tim Robertson and David Cohen back here on Tech Fan after that uh, brief uh, commercial break. I have no idea what commercial I'm going to drop in there right then, so I'm not even going to pretend that I know. So, David, you sent out a link uh, earlier in the week to me, and you said, uh, how's this for a topic? Yep. Uh, And it's written by uh, Anthony Kay. And I'm going to put a link in show notes, so go to techfanpodcast.com, look for show number, what is it, 85, and uh, it's called Credibility. Now, obviously, we're not going to read this gentleman's post here on, on TechFan. That would be uh, a little unethical, I think, to, to, you know, just grab someone's opinions and read them, and, hey, there's our show. This guy's, yeah, no. Uh, he wrote on uh, July 11th. Why don't you give us the gist of this, David? Let me just bring it up in front of me so I can make sure that I am at least uh, at least uh, doing him some justice in terms of his comments. Do you have the link? I but, have the link if you need it. Uh, no, I, I have it here. Okay. So, so the, the <laughs> this is it, it's a little bit ranty, but uh, I think um, you know for a start, it's the guy's blog. It's his right to rant on his blog. Uh, and secondly, you know, I think it, it goes very much to it. I mean, it really resonated with me because it's something that I agree with, and, and I've talked kind of around this before. So Just um, recently, some of it. Yeah, but, but let, let, me, let me read out just the very first par- paragraph because I think this will summarize it. He says, credibility. Something's been bothering me lately. There's a growing credibility problem in the tech blogging world, and it's consistently getting worse. I'll illustrate this point with a couple of examples that occurred to me recently. So that to summarize his experiences, you know, he's, he's had situations where he's, he's purchased things that, um, you know, some of the big blogs have, have raved about and then found them to be rubbish. 
Uh, One of them was an e-book uh, yeah. for like $10. Yeah. And he bought it based on a post on a website, which he doesn't link to. When I, and I would, I kind of wish he would have. Um, yeah, I, I, it's difficult because it, I think he doesn't want to give them traffic. He do, um, yeah, and he doesn't want to get into a flame war either with somebody. Yeah, I understand right. that. But by the same token, uh, you know what? Let us make up our mind. Let's, you know. Yeah. If you're going to give us, the, if you're going to talk about credibility, then give us all the facts. Let us yeah. see the post that convinced you to go buy this $10 ebook, which turned out to be poorly written and only 50 pages. Yeah. Uh, and then the second thing is a, is an app review where the uh, app was only 99 cents, but it was kind of raved about. And I think, I think the particular thing that tweaked him was that several people had said, um, oh, it gained a spot on my home screen. And, and basically once he got the app, he found it didn't work properly. Um, it sucked the battery out of his phone uh, and had some serious bugs. And, um, you know, in both, in both circumstances, he basically feels he's been played by the bloggers who have reviewed these items and given them a strong write-up when, in fact, they're not very good. Uh, and he, he, he questions the... He doesn't go as far as actually calling them out and saying they're unethical or they're, you know, they're doing somebody a favour or anything like that. But I, th- I think it's the, it's the rigour with which they uh, write their reviews that he's particularly concerned with, uh, and he feels that you know that it's getting worse. Now this uh, this I, hits home on on two different fronts, obviously. One is as consumers ourselves, um, we read a lot of the tech bloggers out there and when we read a post that raves about something that would have been even mildly interesting to us before a a appraising blog post on a site that you're used to going to is probably going to convince you to click through spend the 99 cents and give it a try so as consumers there's an implied trust there because we visit your site, we read your content, we expect the truth. We expect that you've done your due diligence, and we expect that if you say it's this great, it's actually going to be this great. Now, we also take into consideration that everyone has their own opinion. And because I may like a movie, that doesn't make it a great movie. It does in my opinion. Um, But when it comes to apps and stuff like that, that's quite a bit of difference because... If it's crashy, if it's buggy, if it doesn't do what the, uh, the 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 blogger said it did, then an issue of credibility comes up. Did they actually use it? Are they just yeah. reading the press release? Did they know the developer? Or if it's an ebook, the author? Um, how would this get posted in this manner? It, because that's not something that's an objective opinion. If it's crashing and it doesn't do what it's supposed to do, it's not objective to say it's bad. That's a fact. That's right. So it hits us on that aspect, and let's talk about that. But also, as a publisher, David, uh, with the website MyMac.com that's been going since 1995, and from the very first episode, well, I was going to say episode, the very first issue that I published in the summer of 95 had product review in it. So I've been doing product reviews a lot less the last few years, obviously. Uh, but I've been doing product reviews since almost two decades. And I've had a staff of writers 
that's changed quite a bit over almost 20 years that do product review. So as a publisher, this also hits close to home. Are we doing a good job? And I put that to the staff at MyMac.com. And we'll talk about that in a second, but let's back up from the consumer point of view, David, the reader of those blogs. Go. <laughs> Go. The, 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 I, I mean, I completely agree with how he feels because, um, you know, I'm, I'm getting really tired uh, of, of the quality, generally, of tech blogging. Um, and, and, and more than that, it goes further than that because what's happened is tech blogging and then blogging in general and then the rise of Twitter has led to a general decrease in the quality of journalism. You see it, you see it all the time in the mainstream media, in the BBC, on the Times website, on the New York Times website, where they will post stuff that, that literally they've just pulled off the internet. They're just doing the same as, as what bloggers do, which is just rehashing somebody else's work without a single shred of verification, fact-checking, follow-up. Um, they're just basically posting it as, well, somebody else posted it, so it must, must be right. Um, and, of course, that's what's probably driving these problems in, in, in one respect is somebody posts a review on one website of a, a, what it doesn't matter whether it is whether it's an ebook whether it's an application whether it's a piece of hardware review and of course website B goes oh well, how come um, website A had, had that um, review that's the hot product and of course it's also probably being hawked around by the developer or the publisher or the ad agency or the promoter or whatever and so they said, well, we've, we've got to have the review as well because otherwise traffic's going to go to website A that's not going to come to track the website B. And so you end up with this kind of genericized, um, you know, very bland coverage where everybody's saying the same thing. Half of them are just re re regurgitating a press release because you know that bloggers get paid by the... Um, the ones that do get paid get paid by the post. So it's not in their interest to spend five, ten days reviewing an app and then posting about it. They want to get the post up straight away so they can move on to the next post because they get effectively being paid by the word. So it's completely disincentivizing to anybody to actually do anything properly. And this is what's happened now. And so you end up with, with um, tech blogs that portray themselves as sources of reviews and news and interesting facts and commentary and in fact all they're doing is just churning it out, churning it out, churning it out the level of quality goes right down through the floor and what happens of course is that the reason this, this becomes an issue is because these posts aren't edited in any way. Editorial oversight appears to have disappeared from journalism in general and blogging in particular. So these guys are paid and they have access to the content management system and they can post whatever they want and so they do and nobody ever looks at it, nobody ever facts checks it, nobody ever says, oh, I remember that um, I saw something else where this doesn't quite tally, or I've tried that app, and uh, you haven't mentioned that, that there's, there's a crash in it, or, I, well, I read that book and it was only 50 pages, how come you think it's so great? There's none of that in these blogs anymore. These guys are sat in their bedrooms, or their office, or whatever, and they post their opinion, and nobody ever looks at it. And then, you know, the editors of the site deal with it if they, if they um, get something wrong after the fact, not before. And it's just, just, you know, it's lowest common denominator journalism. And it's crap, frankly. I agree. And, and I do like the fact that you took it beyond just the tech bloggers, which is really what his post is mostly about. 
Yeah. Um, as someone who was just interviewed a number of times by a, a number of different professional newspapers, uh, the ones that I have seen that's been posted so far, which is three or four, I think it's four, three of the four got basic facts wrong. Uh, one of them called me the CEO, even though during the interview she asked what my title was, and I said COO, that's Chief Operations Officer, COO. I said it twice. Yeah. And then I said what it is, Chief Operations Officer. And I'm still listed as the CEO. Um, I know for a fact there's no editorial editing of a content. Because on another one, they said they're having a grand opening for four days, October 1st through the 5th. And last time I counted, that would be five days. <laughs> so, and and look, as a company, we're still pleased that we're getting very, very positive press. But personally, I found it a little bit amusing that basic facts and mathematical errors were front and center and it's a little it was a little bit not so much for me but for some other people on staff it was a little bit of an eye opener and I said well that's the press you can't control what they're going to write they're, they're going to write what they're going to write and hopefully they'll get enough facts correct and spin it in a positive light and will look good that's all yeah. you can hope for um but you're right. It's not just the tech bloggers out there. I think journalism in general has taken a huge nosedive. But I don't know what the answer is. Of course, we would like to think that more editorial oversight would be enacted. We would like to think that the people writing these blogs would feel a responsibility to produce good content and that it's not so much about the click through, but it's about the people reading the article, and I'll get into that in a second because that goes back to my Mac. Yeah, uh, but in this world of Facebook, Twitter, twenty four hour news on the TV, and a bazillion websites that are all, re it's either reporting on stuff or it's an opinion, and sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between the two. I can I can understand where the problems are coming from, but. I would have to step back and say, do we want it? Do we want less news but more accurate? Or do we want to hope that as readers, we're going to be incumbent upon ourselves to figure out this is an opinion, this person didn't do his homework, there's no editorial oversight, they're just going through the click through, this is very legitimate, and they really know what they're talking about. Yeah, it's, it's incredibly hard because you often, I mean, if it's a topic that you're not particularly familiar with, how can you find that out? Look at what happened with um, with the Mike Daisy thing. Yeah. Yeah, so Mike Daisy was the guy who said he'd been to China and seen the horrible working conditions that Foxconn imposed on its employees making Apple products. And then he went and did a stage show called The Agony and the Ecstasy of Steve Jobs where basically it was a one-man um, screed about this. And then he went on NPR and, and told them about all these terrible things he'd seen. And then it turned out he hadn't seen any of it. He just 
He was just he was doing what the bloggers do. He was repost reparroting stories he'd heard from other people that he'd not bothered to verify and independently check. And of course, when people did that, they found that ninety five percent of what he was saying was. Uh, com so completely inaccurate that you couldn't you couldn't count it as truth at all. Um, so, uh, you know, one of the other problems is that if, if you see somebody on the news um, being interviewed about a topic, you've no idea whether they're um, they actually know what they're talking about, whether they're just a living, breathing Yahoo who was the first person the researcher could get to talk about the topic. It's you know, funny because there's a new show on HBO and. They talk about a lot of this, and it's called the newsroom. Yeah, and it's very obviously liberal leaning because um, Aaron Sorkin's doing it, mm -hmm. and I love his stuff. But I'm not going to pretend that he's not massively liberal because yeah. he he is. But these are exactly the same topics that they're addressing on the show, and. For me, it's kind of apropos that here we are talking about it on TechFan. And yeah. I so just want to go and grab some audio from that show, play it here, and say this is exactly how I feel as well. Yeah. Um, that'd probably be inappropriate <laughs> to, to play the opinion of a fictional character, but it really is. It really yeah. is how I feel. It, it's, it lines up perfectly with my opinion. So my my background is science. I I did a degree in chemistry at university, and I know you know a lot about the scientific process and kind of the way science is presented, and um, you know, and and I know a fair amount about a lot of the things that go into things that power the world. You know, chemistry and physics, and you know stuff like that. And sometimes I hear scientific topics talked about on the meet on the news, uh, and I can tell you know, that the guy talking about it doesn't really understand the topic he's talking about. And of course what he's then doing is he's trying to simplify that topic even further to a reporter who hasn't the first clue of this of this stuff. And you often think to yourself, well hang on a minute, if they've got somebody here who's talking about, you know, a prime example was um, after the earthquake in Japan, um, they were talking about the nuclear reactors. Um, and they had they, they had some pundit on who clearly did not understand how most nuclear reactors worked, let alone the ones that they were dealing with in, in Fukushima. And I thought to myself at the time, I remember thinking, well, if they're presenting this guy as an expert on nuclear reactors and he, he clearly doesn't know as much as I do about the topic, um, how do I know when they're presenting an economics expert or a legal expert or a social sciences expert that they haven't got somebody as well who's who's presenting that information to me in a way that actually is so completely flawed that it's useless. And again, it comes down to this thing of like, well, they don't care as long as they get somebody on who is prepared to comment. They don't care how good the comment is. Um, this this came up recently uh, here in the UK because it was noted that many American um, commentary shows on places like Fox News and CNN are using... Um, people who've been convicted of crimes financial crimes as financial experts now uh, and the reason they're apparently doing that is because these pe these people's names are well known but not because they're necessarily financial experts and of course you know they are people who've been convicted of crimes so their ethics and their opinions are probably tainted by the fact that they were prepared to do things that landed them in jail 
and yet they're still being used as experts, as, as expert witnesses. So what do you think the solution is? I, well, I, 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 unfortunately, I think the only solution is, is if eventually people, if they, if they become too tired of it and they demand something different, then you would hope the industry would respond. Do you but, think that's um, the, do you think that's going to happen? Do you think that I mean, do you think people are just too lazy to really uh, care too much anymore? I, I think probably they are. And um Well ask you know, yourself I, this I, then. Everybody listening to this show, do you think that they've they've skipped over this aspect of this show because they're like, Ugh, I don't care about this. Just tell well, me the latest about Google. Or do you think they're <laughs> or do you think they're listening? And they're engaged, and they're nodding their head with what you're saying and with, just, with what I I'm would, saying. I would hope that, that um, most, of the, most of the people listening to us would, would have some sympathy with our view. Or even if they don't, they would be engaged enough to, to think, well, these guys are completely wrong. Um, the, the problem is is that in terms of, uh, I think, uh, as, a, as, a, as a group, uh, humans are very good at identifying a problem and getting indignant about it, uh, but not very good about taking action to do anything to change it. And to, and to be fair, yes, I think that our listeners are definitely interested in the subject. But to be fair, our listeners are probably more fairly educated, more more intelligent than the average citizen. Not that we're bringing something so great to the show that we only attract those people, but we do kind of get a little bit highbrow occasionally, yeah. and I think the average person that's really not into tech all that high, highly would probably not be interested in this show. Like, for instance, there's nobody on my side of the family that would ever listen to this show on a regular basis. They may tune yeah. in occasionally just to hear uh, their cousin or their nephew or whatever, um, but that's about as far as it would go. The yeah. people who listen to this are very specific types of people. And I think they would be more apt to agree with what we're talking about here. And our, uh, I don't want to say, uh, our concerns when it comes to this than the average person. Because I don't think the average person even understands yet. But who's going to inform them? If the media is as corrupt as you're alleging, and that's what this is, by the way, it's corruption. It's corruption for the advertisers. It's corruption for the click-throughs. It's just, it's laziness and it's corruption. Yeah. Um, a, a laziness corruption that, that's justified, um, let's be clear, it's justified by the uh, excuse, well, everybody else does it this way. And for financial matters. Um, yeah, but... Because but, but, no one... Would Walter Cronkite be big on television today? Would Murrow be big on television today? I would say no, because they weren't sensationalists. They reported the news. Um, yeah. Not dispassionately, uh, either. They were very passionate about it. I, I wasn't alive to remember it, but Walter Cronkite cried on television when man landed on another heavenly body. Yeah, He cried, and it was amazing. I've seen the footage. I don't think the anchors today are as. It's not even the anchors. I, I nobody watches the evening news. Yeah. Who who watches? I I just found out Katie Kirk's not even doing the news anymore like that. I didn't know. I thought she was still the anchor on CBS. Turns out no. 
I mean, people don't watch the night the six o'clock nightly news in the United States anymore. There there are ratings that are all time low. So yeah. so who reports on the problem? Because the ones that are having the problem aren't going to report on themselves. Well, we yeah we're going through this at the moment. There's a big inquiry on into the British newspapers as a result of this um, phone hacking scandal that that's been going. I mean, I mean that typifies the problem right there and then. It's known as a phone hacking scandal. It's nothing to do with hacking phones. It was people. It was it was reporters routinely logging into. Um, voicemail on, on cellular phones where people haven't bothered to protect it with a, uh, a passcode. So Right, but um, it sounds think, much more sexy when they say the phone hacking yeah, scandal. Yeah, they call it phone hacking. And, sure. you know, that, that's become the shorthand for it. That's how everybody refers to it. But actually, it's not hacking at all. Um, but, but again, you know, this was a prime example where... It actually, it is in, kind of hacking. It's, it's, <laughs> it's social hacking. But it's it's social hacking, yeah, but it's not phone. When they say phone hacking, it sounds like somebody has technically broken the phone, which is not right. what they're doing at all. But the thing is, it became um, within the British newspapers. It became it was becoming clear out this inquiry that there became standard practice to do this, mm-hmm. uh, and because everyone else was doing it, it was acceptable. Yep. And it, again, it was driven about getting the scoop and getting the circulation up. Uh, but but making, that but that's being corrected as we speak because of the quote-unquote scandal. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. In fact, if you look at the way this has played out, what happened was it became clear that um, this had been going on uh, on a routine basis. And the inquiry was set up and there was quite a few um, minor celebrities and politicians who were really, really furious about this. But you know what? I think the public were kind of, well, what are you going to do? And then it was found out that what the, um, it was reported. In fact, this was an, even an incorrect report. But it was reported that one of the phones that had been um, accessed, let's use the correct term, was the phone of a, of a schoolgirl who'd been murdered uh, and was missing. Uh, and sometime after she'd been murdered and while she was missing, they, they um, accessed her phone. And then uh, sometime after that, her body was found. Yeah, and she'd been lying in the, in a wood for for months. This this schoolgirl, and they caught the murderer, and he's been convicted. But when people found out that they had attempted to access her phone while she was lying dead, decomposing in a wood, effectively, that was the point when the public turned against the newspapers and said, "You know what? This isn't this isn't right." Um, and it took that action and that being exposed to get people to be interested enough in it to care. Thanks for the visual, by the way. Well, I'm sorry, but it, I mean that. that <laughs> no, it, I get it it. it. it really is about. It, I mean, because I think. But no, I think you're kind of that proving visual is not what went through the minds of the people who did that. No, but here's the thing. I, I think corrective measures, like you said, are taken when people have had enough. Yeah, and and, that- and traditional media is getting more and more corrupt, more and more sensationalized more and more filled with opinions rather than facts, or at least presenting both sides of an argument when both sides are warranted. I don't want to hear both sides of an argument when it comes to something like intelligent creation. Yeah, but again, there's, a, there's another problem. The way balance gets presented in the media is, uh, let's, take, um, let's take climate change, okay? No, uh, let's not t- take... Let's, let's take Let's take something that we know for a fact, oh, okay, and, okay. and take well, evolution. 
and they want to and they want to show us a balance where they want to show us someone for intelligent design and they want to show someone for evolution and they want to put them on the same field like well these are equal so we want to show both yeah but that's not balance exactly that's my point that's like taking the accepted thing and the crazy person putting them in the same room and saying we'll find it out but the the point is is that's that's not balance that's what i'm that's what i think we're both getting at and and i knew where you were going with climate change but i thought eh, let's do evolution instead (laughs) because i knew you were going to say the crazy person and we are both in agreement there yeah um and by the way, that doesn't discount the possibility of, you know, an afterlife or God or anything like that. But evolution is fact. There, it's not an opinion anymore. It's a, that's a fact. That's what happened. It's got 150 years of scientific <laughs> evidence backing it up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways, let's let's move on uh, back to the topic at hand, which is credibility. I sent out this link that you sent me to the staff at MyMac. Because as a publication that does reviews of tech and books, the two things that this guy had the most problems with in his post, we could be just as guilty as the sites, or site, I don't know, that he found the links through and that prompted him to write this. Because that's what my Mac does. We write about books, we write about mm-hmm. apps, yeah. we write about hardware. And so I thought it would be advantageous for the staff to read this. And they did. And they responded very encouragingly, to be honest. One of the things is the publisher of my Mac that I've always pushed with our writers from day one, and, and I've even talked about it here on the show, David, was we do not write stuff... When, number one, we're not a news site, so we're not fighting for eyeballs and links immediately. Yeah. That's that's not the mandate of my Mac. It's always been, if you're going to review a product, you review that product from the standpoint of the buyer. We are not writing reviews to help a PR company, a hardware manufacturer, or even the independent developer who's sitting in his basement cranking out code, and hopefully this will be his big break and he becomes a millionaire. We don't write reviews for those people. We write reviews from the standpoint of the reader, which is the consumer, the person that's going to go out, spend their own money on this product, whether it's an app, a hardware, or a book, get it home and use it. From a reviewer standpoint, that's where you start. And that's where you finish. If it's your money that you're going to spend on this product, is it worth buying? Don't consider that the person who wrote this is is representing a starving starving African village and that this is their one hope to get out of poverty. You you as a reviewer you cannot look at those type of things. No. It's about the product and it's about the person who may be interested in buying it and they're looking for your opinion on this product to help them make that decision. Yeah. And I think throughout almost 20 years of, of publishing, we've always erred on the side of the reader because I've always insisted on that. Um, yeah. Nothing gets posted without me looking at it. Nothing. And I've had reviews in the past where the reviewer will list 
five to ten problems with the app or the hardware or whatever it is and then at the end give it like a nine out of ten and I'll go back to the writer and go well, how are you giving this a nine out of ten when it has all these problems can you how can you justify such a high score yeah that's what I'm supposed to do I, I've had to do that a lot less over the years to be honest mm-hmm. but I've had to do that yeah, well, you know, it, that's what's... Well, I mean, to be honest with you, one of the reasons that um, I don't write for the site anymore and I don't do product reviews anymore is because I found it very difficult to deal with the pressure from the PR companies when they sent you something and then they said, well, when's the review coming? When's the review coming? And I took the view, well, the review's coming when it's done and the, it'll be done when I've used the products enough that I feel I can write about it. Some of the stuff you're reviewing... If you, somebody said you are, uh, you know, a bag... You can't just say, well, it's a nice bag and put a review up. You've got to use it. You've got to put stuff in it. You've got to, you know, get under the skin of the thing for a, for a while to be able to say whether, it, whether it's, a, it's a decent sell or not, particularly if it's expensive. Just use that as an example. Uh, and but that's why course, one of the reasons that we have a reviews editor and myself, John Nemo and myself, is to put a little bit of a, a wall between the reviewer and the PR company. Yeah. Because this has happened. Now, some reviewers, yeah. you were one of them, likes to contact the companies of the PR companies themselves because you already had that relationship there. So I, I don't need Nemo or Tim to get me this product. I can get it. Well, that's fine. Sure, you can. But then you have to deal with the PR companies and yeah. stuff. The way we prefer to do it is they contact us for review and we will find the reviewer who's interested. And if we don't find a reviewer who's interested, guess what? Your product doesn't get reviewed. Yeah. Um, but when a, a PR company wants to contact the reviewer, that's when John or I usually step in and and deal with them ourselves. I mean, that's what we're supposed to do, and that's the way it's supposed to be on, on websites. You're yeah. supposed to have a buffer between the reviewer and the people who are actually creating the product. But this goes back to the original point where, you know, these websites are now run on such a shoestring, they don't have staff. They just have people who are, you know, sometimes paid, sometimes not to to blog. Uh, And they don't want the overhead of having editors and uh, reviews managers and anything like that. They just want to get it done. Uh, Well, my Mac is a unique situation in that I own it. Nobody is paid. Uh, it, it takes it's taken a lot of my time in in almost 20 years but i think at the end of the day it's justified by the content we produce and the integrity that we do that with and yeah. and people like nemo and i are very good at spotting somebody who's a writer who's not doing their due diligence that yeah. just threw this up we see when that happens and if we see it multiple times we put a stop to it. Usually, we kind of tell the person to go away. That's happened more than most people realize. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it is just simply coaching. It's saying, hey, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Um, it's it's very rare that you can get someone to write for free and produce quality content. But somehow, for almost 20 years, we've consistently done that. Yeah. So how how, do, how have we done it then, and these other sites can't? Well, because you have somebody in the process with an ethical guideline and an, and an idea about what they want to see and how they want it done. 
who's who's looking at the content. Most most websites and even most newspapers and magazines now aren't bothering so much with that. Yeah. You know, the 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 twenty four hour news cycle, the blogging news cycle means that um there's intense pressure to get the thing out before everyone else. Um and of course that just compresses the process to the point that a lot of the stuff's been dropped. Because they're taking the view, well, oh we would get it wrong, most of our readers don't care. Uh, and how many times have you seen it where uh, you know, going back to tech blogging, where the um, people responsible for the site, when they're called out on it, yeah, they double down on... Um, God, I hate using that phrase. I can't believe I said that. Um, I apologise for saying double down. But they've, they've basically... They back the writer to the hilt even when it's completely and utterly obvious that they're wrong. And then, and then they carry a grudge for, about it for years and years afterwards. Gizmodo, as one example, yeah, now will will not write anything decent about Apple because they're still stung about the fact they got beat up over um, posting that um, that pre-release iPhone that they bought off the stolen guy. Yeah, they they were you unethical, know. so they're still upset yeah, about it. But yeah. they, they they're still upset, and you know they still uh, use every every opportunity to put the knife in because they're stung about the fact that they you know they. But the opposite is true, David. Do you know how many readers they lost forever? And I include myself in that list. Yeah. That that doesn't go to their website at all. Yeah, and there are plenty of people who who won't link to Gizmodo now. Yeah. Even if they're criticizing them, because they so don't isn't want to send it self? Isn't it over time a self-correcting problem? I, I unfortunately I don't think it is because no? you know the difficulty is I think the, the the people who feel strongly about this are very much in the minority. Yeah. Most people don't care. Well, let's know. let's move on because we're getting long in the tooth here, David, and we've got two more things to talk about real quick. Uh, we've got feedback, and we'll get to that in a second. We'll see if we can help. Uh, but first, and I, I just wanted to touch on this for one second, David. It's kind of when when this podcast, not this one, but MyMac started, one of the places that we would post new episodes was a website called Dig. Yeah. And when we would post an episode, or at least the link to the episode on Dig, we saw a lot of traffic. Yeah, and Dig was almost purchased, or they were approached many, many times for millions and millions and millions of dollars. But Kevin Rose, uh, the creator of it, one of them, anyways, never sold, and it was clear now he never had any real vision for the site. He should have sold because yeah. now he has sold. For five hundred thousand dollars. Now, look. Well, uh, if so, I, yeah, I if somebody offered great. me five hundred thousand dollars for my Mac, I wouldn't own my Mac anymore. Half a million dollars? <laughs> no. What am I stupid? Well, I'd have to think about it. But yeah, but this is a site that that's received, you know, um, many, many, many millions of dollars uh, in um, venture capitalists, venture, venture capital, trying to keep it going. Yep. You know, uh, I, I haven't been on to Dig for years. I've just just. Well, Nobody has. Nobody uses Dig anymore. Now, yeah. It's the same 500 people, and that's it. They're, whatever well, that, they that, had is gone. That was one of the problems. That, that was really... I mean, they, they, they had a few problems. One of the problems was... I mean, they were one of the first to get really heavily spammed. Yep. And they struggled to deal with that. Uh, um, and so people were kind of fake um, promoting stories. You know what the biggest uh, problem with, with Dig, man? Seriously? So many assholes on the site. Well, 
Yeah, well, that that was that, that was what I was just about to come on to. It became very cliquey, um, and um, you know, probably for a while. I think YouTube is probably worse now, but for a while, it was it was one of the cliquiest places around, where basically, if you weren't one of the um, diggerati, you know, the uh, very highly rated people on the site, then your your opinion counted for nothing, and they would bag on people something rotten. Yeah. Which I stopped site, using it. So, with social media was kind of completely bizarre. Yeah, <laughs> I, I stopped using it simply because of well, the assholes, and it wasn't even yeah. that people would be assholes on my posts. Although I saw it a few times that I've got pretty thick skin, I, I would see just assholery on a level that I, to be honest, never saw on any other site to that degree, and it seemed to be encouraged. That that was completely okay. And I just got sick of the meanness, the nastiness. And I thought, you know what? Screw this site. I'm not going to come here anymore. And I think more and more people were like me. They got tired of dealing with the assholes on that site. And I'm not talking about Kevin Rose, by the way. I'm talking about the users. Yeah. This The, the nastiness, the snarkiness, the assholery that killed that site. That's what did it. And they, And the people who owned the site... Never put a stop to it. No. I mean, it's interesting is that, you know, Twitter's really run the risk of going the same way. It is. Um, and again, Twitter don't seem to be particularly interested about trying to uh, police the content that's on their site at all anymore. And Twitter's a, you know, a very, I mean, very similar model. I mean, Twitter kind of ate, ate Dig's lunch because Twitter became all of a sudden the popular way of sharing stuff around the web. Yep. You know, and. But um, you control, that, you, you control it. You yeah. control what you see, who you follow, who you talk with. Whereas on Dig, if you're not contributing, it's just a news aggregator that users are submitting content. And if you click one of them and you start seeing the content full of assholery, you don't yeah. see that on Twitter. You don't see that on Facebook because, again, you control who your friends are, what you see. So I think that was the biggest... You know, they didn't control it at Dig and... They, here's a pun, they dug themselves a big hole. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. clever sometimes. Let's move on to uh, our feedback this week. We're going to see if we can help uh, a friend of the show, Tom Engels. He, he sent in uh, an email, so go for it, David. Okay, so, so Tom, Tom wrote to us, um, thank you for your ongoing tech, tech fan podcast. I really appreciate hearing your no-nonsense commentaries on happenings in the tech world. Thank you very much for I that. I wonder if he still feels the same after my assholery <laughs> comment like eight times in a row. <laughs> uh, Tim, you might remember me from days long past, January 2011. <laughs> yeah, that that was, you know, prehistoric. <laughs> so it January, January last year. Uh, I started up a podcast of my own after being inspired by your encouragement called Explorers Podcast, and I'm still going at it. I now have 76 podcasts up on various explorers, and doing my show has been a lot of fun. Well, let's That's stop there for a second. I absolutely yeah, remember Tom. Uh, yeah. I remember that we pay, played uh, an ad for him, not just here, but we did it on the MyMac podcast as well. Um, and, yeah, I was very encouraging Tom to, to do that because I love podcasts. I love listening to podcasts. And more, I love it when someone like Tom starts up a podcast. They become passionate about it. I think that's 
It's fantastic. So I, absolutely, I, I remember you 100. Yeah, it really speaks to his commitment and passion to his. Topic, 76 already. 76 episodes, yeah, and he's still going strong. I think it's that's amazing. Uh, I mean, one of the things I, that was I was liked about that show was that he was so into it. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, really comes out through the show, so that's good. Yeah. Yep. I'm writing because I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on how to help me with an iTunes search issue. Recently, it seems that Apple changed the way its search engine found podcasts. Before this, uh, air quotes, improvement, if somebody wanted to find Explorer's podcast on iTunes, they simply entered Explorer's podcast in the search bar, and my podcast would be one of the first to show up in the search results. Now, however, if you enter Explorer's podcast in the iTunes search bar, my podcast doesn't appear at all, or at least in the first 100 results. That's true despite the fact that my podcast is the only podcast on iTunes called Explorer's Podcast. Because of this, I've been receiving a lot of feedback from my listeners to the effect of, what happened to your podcast on iTunes and I can't find your podcast? Ugh. One thing I tried was simply entering Explorers in the search bar and that's at least found the podcast, though way down on the list. I was thinking about putting the iTunes URL link on my website, www.66south.com, to help get listeners to my podcast on iTunes. That URL is, and we'll put that in the show notes. Absolutely. While I'm pretty sure that anyone who clicks on this URL in the United States will be taken to my podcast, um, whereupon they can click on View in iTunes, I'm not sure if this link will work for those outside of the United States. I say this because of the slash US slash that is part of the link. David, please let me know if the iTunes link above works in the UK. I'd be so appreciative if you let me know. Well, I have tried it, and yes, it does work. Um, basically, what happens in, um, is when you click the link, you get the page from the US site, but when you click view in iTunes, it then um, redirects uh, fires you. up iTunes and redirects you to your local store. So um, it does work fine that. I don't understand why Apple doesn't allow someone to search for a podcast on iTunes by the title of the podcast. It makes it hard on the little guys out there in podcast land who don't have thousands of five-star ratings driving up their visibility in iTunes. Anyway, thanks for any help you can shed on this. Um, Best wishes to Mangos. I wish there was an easy answer, Tom. Uh, after I got your email, I went up to iTunes and uh, I did a search for Tech Fan, and we were the first one there. We don't have thousands of five star ratings. Hint, hint, uh, listeners. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know what's going on, to be honest. Uh, I mean, I, it's fair to say that. Is it? Let me ask you, David, when you went there. Did it show the latest and greatest episodes, episodes, uh, listings, it's, the newest it's ones? Kind of, it's kind of weird. The top, the first one it shows is episode number five, uh, and it also says that the language of the podcast is Chinese, which obviously isn't right. Um, uh, it does show all the episodes on that page, but it doesn't show them in the right order, and it doesn't show the, the correct release dates either. It only shows the release dates for me for the top five. So, Tom, I'm so, I'm I'm way willing to help you. I don't know how you're creating your RSS feed. Um, I got a feeling you're probably doing it in FeedBurner. I know a lot of people who've had issues with FeedBurner. I'm not saying that FeedBurner is causing the iTunes search issues. I don't think it is. But obviously, there's something wonky about your RSS feed. Um, if you want to send me what that RSS feed, the direct you know, feed that you sent to iTunes to get listed. I'll be happy to look at it. I actually do my RSS feed by hand. In fact, a lot of the shows in the MyMac podcast or I'm <laughs> in the uh, Stoplight Network, I do by hand. Not all of them, but quite a few of them. Uh, we do MyMac by hand, Geekiest Ladies, 
this one, Geekiest Show Ever. Uh, there's a few others. And we never have these issues. Um, so I, I'm, I'm way willing to help look at your RSS feed and find out where the issues are. Because the language, Chinese and all that, that's coming from your RSS feed. That's nothing that iTunes themselves are doing. But that being said, Apple has changed iTunes recently. They really screwed up in uh, the whole podcast directory. Uh, Scott Wilsey, for instance, had his show completely delisted with no explanation on why. Uh, we think it might have been related to his his graphic. It showed a picture of uh, an iPhone, even though it was his own picture in his his phone in his pocket. Um, yeah. We got that changed, and the show's back in iTunes. I don't know if it made any difference or not. He didn't get any help from people at Apple. So yeah, I don't know why it's not showing up. It could be related to your RSS feed incorrectly reporting to iTunes, thus it's not finding you correctly. Um, or it could just be something is really screwed up at, at on Apple's end. Uh, but, uh, the but, only other thing, yeah, the only other thing I'd say to Tom is, um, you know, don't... I, there will be some people who go to iTunes and then click on the show to listen yeah, to it. Yeah, that's not how people you know, are going to really, find your yeah, show. Try and encourage people not to do that, but to subscribe directly using a podcatcher so they always get the show to them from the RSS feed uh, and, and really try not to... You know, iTunes is there is, 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 is a great way to promote podcasts and it's a, a great central repository, but really, I mean, it, for finding anything specific, it sucks. It's terrible. So, you know... Use as many other avenues as you can to avoid people having to use iTunes. And not just that, um, promote your podcast, <clears throat> obviously through Facebook, through Twitter, and Dig. <laughs> just kidding on Dig. Um, you know, you have to be proactive to get people to go to a certain place, and in this case, 66south.com, to get your podcast. Don't rely on somebody like Apple to drive traffic for you. Um, the iTunes podcasting listing is completely bogus. Um, it, it's, I, I think it's corrupt, honestly. And I sell Apple products, so I don't say this lightly. Yeah. Um, they only promote their buddies or the big brands. Uh, they don't seem to have any interest at all in, in promoting podcasts like Tech Fan or the Explorers podcast. So you can't rely on them because you're not in that little click. Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in that little click. That's why I'm independent. Um, and you have to build your audience organically. That being yeah. said, send me the, the URL or send me your RSS feed. I will take a look and find out where the problems are because... Yeah. I, I'm I'm more than half convinced that the the issues that you're experiencing are related to your RSS feed, not anything Apple has done. But I don't know. So let's start there. Send it over time, I'll take a look. So David, that's all I had for this week. Obviously, we hope that listeners of this show will go to iTunes <laughs> and give us a rating. Just go up to uh techfanpodcast.com. And if you look on that site, there's a, a way to contact us. There's a button that says contact us. Click that, and you can fill out that information. It'll come right to us. We'll read it right here on the show. But on every single page of our show notes, there's a subscribe in iTunes. 
If you click that, go to iTunes. We'd appreciate it if you can give us a review and give us a, a star rating, one through five. Please, please make it five. <laughs> and uh, But no, be honest, though, seriously. Um, we'd really appreciate it. And if you happen to be there, there's a button for Amazon. Click that. Buy something on Amazon. Amazon will give us a little bit of love, and we can help pay for the bandwidth that uh, <laughs> that that we yeah. use a lot of. So, so that's it for uh, Tech Fan. You got anything else before we sign off, David? No, I think that's it for this week. I mean, it's it's um, there's a lot going on, uh, and there's a lot of stuff coming out. Dave, David is just but... very upset. He's pulling his hair out. Oh crap! Never mind. Too late. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? My three-year-old daughter announced to me the other day that all my hair had fallen out my head and landed on my arms. <laughs> so I think that's um, that's probably a pretty pretty good summary of what's going on. Yeah, I'm just the opposite. <laughs> I got a good full head of hair, but I I've never been a particularly hairy person anywhere else. So it's weird how that works, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Hair follicles are strange. So David, and my friend, uh, we'll talk next week, and uh, hopefully there'll be some new tech news that's worth talking about that we can rant and rave about in the meantime we'd love to hear what you the listeners think about all the topics we discussed today the credibility issue uh, maybe you've got an idea to help out tom on uh, his itunes issues he'd probably really appreciate it if you guys would send any suggestions to us and we could pass along to him or just go to his website and, and contact him that way 66 that's 66 south.com um but in the meantime, please send us some feedback. We love it. We'll read it right here on the show. Even if you've done it quite a bit in the past and you don't want to hog our time, please. Nobody else is doing it, so it's up to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> David, I'll talk to you next week. See you then.